What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, President Trump has made his pick. Amy Coney Barrett is now up for confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court. CNBC's Eamon Javers. They're going to start the confirmation hearing process on October the 12th. That gives a very, very tight window. Right now, it looks like they do have the votes. Healthcare uncertainties from the Supreme Court to the polls and all the pandemic in between. Sector watcher Anna Gupta shares her investment picks. United, you Teladoc, they actually benefit from the pandemic to some degree. And TikTok is safe to download in the U.S., at least for now. Insiders Henry Blodgett on the proposed ban, there must be another way. I don't feel that it is reasonable to imagine that we can completely decouple from China, which is what the administration is talking about. Plus, is it Joe Kernan's sense of humor or just another Monday morning in 2020? That's all I hear, it's crickets. It is Monday, September 28th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is out today. I wanted 2020 to go quickly, (laughs) Becky, but uh, now I'm thinking it's just going too quickly. We want it to go quickly. You still said 2020. You're still uh, you doing your best Barbara Barbara Walters with that. Yep, 2020. And and Hugh, Hugh had a Hmm. long, illustrious life. Hugh's gone now. Um, But uh, we remember... They still, it's still on, it's just different people. You can do, you can do 60 minutes, you can do 48 hours, yep. you can do a whole year with 2020, and then you can do the, the granddaddy of them all, which for a while was on every night, Dateline. And there's times when I wish it was on every mm-hmm. night. But then when I watch it too yep. much, I just start worrying. I worry about my son, I worry about my daughter, I worry about my wife, I worry about everyone, because there's so many, you know, it's usually the husband though. Things that could happen, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's usually, yeah. It's usually right. the so husband. It, as long as he's, even if he's out of town, he's got something going on. You know what I mean? He's got... Uh, right. I do. So if I, I don't have to worry about myself, or do I? That's the question. Can you hear crickets chirping here? You know what? I don't know if you can hear it. They're in my basement. They're driving I thought me that insane. I was going to say, I was going to tell audio that's really rude to play crickets while we're talking. Because a lot... <laughs> There are people at home where they think that that's appropriate. They're like, oh, this is a, that's a commentary. Because, oh. you know, cricket commentary is never good when you're talking. It means that the, no. the other person is not understanding or, or uh, where are you? It's a basement type thing? Right over your head. How many well, crickets? Ground floor, yeah. How many crickets does it take to make the cricket sound? Do you know? I think it can be just one, can't it? I think it's one. I think it's yeah. one. He's right over here. And when I go over and say, hey, quiet down, he stops for about 10 seconds. And it's and just it their legs, back. right? Are their legs are going like, and is, yep. it, is he looking for, is he horny? I mean, is he looking for a, another cricket? Do you know, is that what, that's what it means, isn't it? It's like, are you in the market? Here. Should I tell him? <laughs> for, no, no, but isn't that, isn't it, are they, you know, are they saying come yes. hither? Do you know? It's a mating I mean, call. It yes, is? It's a it mating is. call. You know that. Yeah, I believe. 
I, 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 that's what I've heard. I don't know. I should look it up on the internet. Well, before you got I a problem. With yes, I think you're right. If there's only one cricket. You got a problem. It's going to yes. happen for a while. And you, that's you the never answer. Find it. in more. Good idea. And also, uh, yeah. it's a weird sound, is it not? It's like it's over here. No, it's over there. No, it's over there. Yeah. It's like they're no, ventriloquists. It's right over here, but I can't find them. I was crawling around the ground it. trying to find it. I can't him. hear it. it. Hopefully we're, we can do You really can't? <laughs> Have you heard it, Matt? Oh, that's all I hear. President Trump announcing his pick uh, for the Supreme Court on Saturday. Let's get to Eamon Javers for more on the confirmation process for Amy Coney <laughs> uh, Barrett and the latest on the COVID stimulus talk. Are you exhausted? I'm exhausted. You're going to yeah, sleep you know, in I December? Is that what you're going to do? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, we could be having a presidential transition in December. Oh, God, right. The news just continues to roll on. So it's 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 2020. It's it's not over till it's over, until the the year is over. I don't think. It it can't get any crazy. Everybody keeps saying that. Everybody keeps saying that they want 2020 to be over with and everything. Be careful what you ask for, though. I know. I I said that today. September September 28th. What happened? September 28th, the leaves are changed, and what happened, Eamon? I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Blink and you miss. I think it's still cool. March. It's like March 512th right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, th- you know, this, of course, this had to happen. Um, RBG. Right. I mean, God right. bless her. But, uh, you know, you knew that. But we weren't thinking about that necessarily. And then here it is, front and center. So here we go. Yep. Yep. So look, all the speculation, Joe, was that it was going to be Amy Coney Barrett. And in the end, that's exactly who the president picked. In her remarks in the Rose Garden as the president unveiled his selection for the Supreme Court, Barrett linked herself with Judge Antonin Scalia, of course, a conservative icon. Here's what she said. I clerked for Justice Scalia more than 20 years ago, but the lessons I learned still resonate. His judicial philosophy is mine, too. A judge must apply the law as written. Judges are not policymakers, and they must be resolute in setting aside any policy views they might hold. Now, Senate Republicans, Joe, have said that they're going to start the confirmation hearing process on October the 12th. That gives a very, very tight window, but they think they're confident they'll be able to do this and have her approved for the bench uh, before the election. We'll see if that holds up and if there are any wavering Republicans out there. Right now, it looks like they do have the votes. And meanwhile, we saw Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi on television yesterday on CNN saying that she is working with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin on another COVID stimulus bill. She said, they're at $2.4 trillion on the Democratic side. Uh, she said they may have a bill that they put on the House floor this week that would be the Democratic priorities and vote on that. But she said what she'd prefer to do is actually have a negotiation and have a deal with Republicans and, and put something on the floor that could get both Democratic and Republican votes maybe as early as this week. We'll see if that holds together. That's a relatively optimistic time frame, Joe, given the struggles that both sides have had in finding concessions to, to meet in the middle here. Uh, Pelosi on CNN yesterday uh, was sort of debating even where the middle is, right? And she's saying that she doesn't want to come down any further uh, to meet the Republicans at a smaller bill because of the scale of the problem. So that's been the crux of this negotiation all along, and we'll see whether they can do anything about it. All of that happening this week. Also, we've got the CR debate. We've got the uh, presidential debate coming up this week. We've got that jobs report coming up uh, and the Supreme Court nomination fight. It's going to be a fascinating week in Washington, Joe. If we don't do that stimulus, too, I mean, we keep talking about the, the airline industry and, you know, the furloughs are, are coming and they're huge numbers. And, and yeah. we talk, you know, when we yeah. hear about pure capitalism and I, 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 you know, I lean that way, but, you know, 
it, it's such an important industry. I don't really think this time that they that they screwed up. And I, I don't, you know, if they don't get anything, it's going to be heartbreaking to see how many people. I mean, we're talking about quite a few people that that are going to be. Yeah. I don't know whether it's permanent or not. So I mean, what are the estimates? Like tens of thousands, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about an enormous, enormous number of people. So it's easy to just be, before oh, an election, you know, Joe, and, and let them, let them, you know, think about the political impact capitalism. Of that as well we got, you know. You, 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 you put your money down, you're taking a chance. If you lose, you lose. And, you know, you're talking about a lot of people and an industry that we all take for granted. I think. Did you see in the front page of the journal, people, uh, what country was it? I think it was over in, uh, in South Korea or, or somewhere. They're, they're, fly, they're not even going anywhere. They fly to an island, they don't land, and then they fly back in, at home and get off. And they say, I feel like I was on a trip, but I don't need to quarantine. Now, I would not do that. I, I, it's, it's the, uh, well, I like <laughs> to get, I only use the plane to, to get there. I don't want to sit on a plane for four hours to land where I took off. But people, you know, it's an important industry, uh, Eamon. So, so, those are those people be, who go around saying life is not about the destination, life is about the journey, <laughs> that, right? That's about the that's journey. literally the case with them. It's about it's the just food. the journey. It's about, it's about the journey. the food. The food and the peanuts. All right. right. Um, thank you, Eamon. And, um, you know, you like, we'll, 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 sleep, we'll sleep in January, maybe. The New York Times out with a new report detailing years of President Trump's tax returns. It says two decades of financial data revealed struggling properties, vast write-offs, an audit battle, and hundreds of millions in debt coming due. Robert Frank joins us right now. He's got more on this story. Robert, good morning. Good morning, Becky. Well, this report saying the president paid $750 in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017, and he paid nothing for 10 of the previous 15 years. That's according to that report in the New York Times, which says it obtained the president's tax returns. Now, let's go first through the income side. Now, most of his income came from The Apprentice. That's $427 million since 2005. Now, along with $176 million from two office buildings that he co-owns with Vornado, and $20 million a year from the office and retail space at Trump Tower. So that's his large income side. Now, he plowed a lot of that cash into buying golf courses and the Washington Hotel, which according to this report, have lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Now Doral losing 162 million through 2018. And that Washington Hotel, which we hear so much about, losing 56 million. Those business losses, along with depreciation and tax credits from that hotel, allowed him to offset his taxes due, so he paid nothing for four years before 2015. Now, he received, as Becky mentioned earlier, a $73 million refund in 2010, which is now the subject of that IRS audit. Now, Alan Garten, he's a lawyer for the Trump Organization, said most, if not all, the facts in the Times story appear to be inaccurate. And he said that over the past decade, the president has paid hundreds of millions in personal taxes to the federal government and millions since 2015. Becky? Robert, I guess the, the rub, at least according to the Times article, is you may be paying personal taxes, but they might not be federal taxes. It could be Social Security. It could be taxes for employing people um, in, in your house or in other places. It, it's confusing. And the Times themselves, the reporters at the Times admitted that this raises a lot more questions e even than some of the answers that, that you think you might be getting here. It does raise a lot of questions, but it answers a lot more. And why I think this is important, the wealthy pay what they owe. And there are a lot of private business owners that use business losses or tax losses 
to offset income. That is quite common. And we also knew that Trump had these large loss carry forwards in the mid-90s. But what this shows and lays out for the first time is a very specific narrative about Trump's income and business over the past 20 years. So he had this billion dollar loss in the mid-90s. He carried that forward to 2005. That ran out just when this windfall, the, probably the biggest cash windfall of his recent business career, of The Apprentice started in 2005. So he paid income taxes for those two years, which we also knew about. But then Obama gave him a gift where he was allowed in 2008, 2009 in the crisis to basically carry back losses from the financial crisis. So he, that's where he got that refund from those taxes that he paid in 2005 and 2006. So this, this lays out not just his income and businesses, but also I think more importantly, how those businesses have performed recently. And I was surprised, even if you take out depreciation, that Doral, Mar-a-Lago, all these businesses were losing a lot of money according to his tax forms. And I thought, okay, depreciation, that's one thing. But even if you take that out, these businesses losing tens of millions of dollars. And I think that was important. Robert, you think it, it, the numbers, just in terms of how those businesses were doing, how were they performing before he was president and, right. and, I guess, in the two years of documents that they saw as president? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little unclear, the before and after picture. It doesn't quite lay that out. Uh, and, and look, this doesn't tell us how much he's worth. And, Joe, you know it's no. easy to invest in a business, show a tax loss, right. but the worth of that business, if he ever sold it, is much greater than it was prior oh, could, to him owning it. So we, but, don't, we don't know the value of these businesses and but, whether that might have grown even as the income or losses grew. Right, and you could, you could do a net-net assets and liabilities and who knows what you'd get to. Uh, you might get, it might not be. That's right. Number. The other thing is, I, I, I don't think being president has helped in terms of people staying at his properties or going to Doral. I mean, half the country would, wouldn't be caught dead probably in, in a Trump property. So I, I'm not sure that that, that necessarily was the greatest business move uh, becoming president, but, but we'll see. Anyway, thanks, Robert. Robert, uh, Frank. Thanks, um, Coming up, uh, what about the crickets, Becky? Are we, are, are, oh, is it? They're still here, and you can't hear them, but everybody else at home can, because I'm getting lots of Twitter the messages only, about The it. only time I usually hear crickets is when you're not here and I talk about sports, and then I hear you know what I mean? Then I hear, that's all I hear, it's crickets, and I've got, I, I talk to Mac on break, but uh, that's usually when I hear crickets. Anyway. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the election, the Supreme Court, and the COVID pandemic make for some serious uncertainties. But healthcare watcher Anna Gupta says there are still some good bets to be made. I would definitely play Teladoc um, and any other digital health names. GoodRx has, you know, gone public on the pharmacy side as well. We'll be right back. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. 
Tomorrow night in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden meet for the first of three one-on-one -on -one presidential debates. Among the half dozen topics that moderator Chris Wallace of Fox News has teased for the two to discuss, the Supreme Court and the coronavirus pandemic. The pandemic has increased the demand for health care at the same time that it has left millions more Americans struggling to afford it. Democrats and allies of Vice President Biden are seeking to turn the president's SCOTUS nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett into a referendum on the future of American health care. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear a case challenging the legality of the Affordable Care Act, President Barack Obama's signature health care overhaul, as soon as November 10th, just one week after Election Day. Republican-led states backed by the Trump administration have asked the court to strike down the law, which would likely leave tens of millions of Americans without health care coverage. Judge Barrett's past academic writings indicate a conservative viewpoint, including on the ACA, which has twice withstood Supreme Court scrutiny. For a look at how all of this impacts the landscape for investing in healthcare companies, the stocks of health insurers, and hospitals, here's Joe Kernan with analyst Anna Gupti, president at AG Health Advisors. Anna went, used to hate write papers, hated, hated writing papers, but you always had to do that, remember the outline? So I think the two macro things we'd put if we were writing a paper to try to, to gauge what's going to happen is you got um, the judicial outcome, which hinges on SCOTUS and post RBG, and now I guess it's ACB, and we got AOC. We got everybody goes by initials now. I want to be—I don't know if I want to be JRK because it says jerk, but uh, we got a lot of initials. So we got that in the election, and then we've got the pandemic and a possible second wave, and you got to somehow sift through all that to decide what to do with healthcare and, and who the winners would be and who the losers would be. Where do you want to start? Let's start with. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett and, and SCOTUS and, and what that could mean, because there is a case coming up that the journal says is a crappy way to try to do something with Obamacare, that it's not going to win, and it just gives the Democrats fodder to say you're going to take away pre-existing conditions, and it has no chance of succeeding. Do you agree with that, that it's not going to happen? Uh, you know, that's going to could be decided this year, right? But that's probably not going to be the, the sound of death knell for Obamacare. Yeah, so three things. I think there's just a law of threes on all of this. Firstly, what will happen on November 3rd? And as you say, what's going to happen on the 10th of November? She's getting confirmed, it looks like, by the end of October. And then what happens after uh, the election from a legislative perspective? I would agree that I think it's the lower likelihood uh, scenario that the that SCOTUS actually overturns um, Obamacare, I think more likely it will be Kavanaugh probably and Chief Justice Roberts, in my view, that will side with the liberal justices. However, it's a finite risk. I, I would dimension it somewhere in kind of the 20% likelihood scenario, which is not zero. So you definitely need to take that into account on your investment decisions. They have um, a historical uh, precedent in 2012 of throwing curveballs. So I don't think any of us um, really knows why I think, I think there's judicial precedent. Um, Kavanaugh had written an opinion on a previous case about non-severability. Right. Um, there is no real you know, alternative to the law, firstly, I think. So that's the, that's the other thing. Empirically speaking as well, it's the subsidies that are really, uh, you know, that are, that are driving the bus on, on the ACA. So okay. I, you know, that's oh, where good. I think so, it'll go. All right, so let's, we'll take the 80% because we know, you know, nothing in life is certain. All right, so. Um, 
And now let's talk about the election itself, uh, depending on the Senate, depending on who, who becomes president. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are your, do you have uh, offense, play offense picks? You have defense picks? You have things you should sell, things you should buy? We only got a minute left. So what should yeah, we, yeah, how should yeah. we position ourselves? Okay, yeah. So I would buy, I would buy United and Humana as my defensive plays in managed care. I would definitely play Teladoc. Um, and any other digital health names, GoodRx has you know, gone public on the pharmacy side as well. And then finally, on the offensive side, I think where the risk is priced in, there is meaningful exposure, but the risk is priced in, I would play um, Centene. Uh, you know, I'm happy to tell you more about it, but maybe we run out of time. Yeah, I think we will. And, and then are you, the second wave, is that... Are we better prepared now? Do you expect to see that or you just we don't know about that either? I mean, that's the other risk. So when I take the I recommend United, Humana, Teladoc, they actually benefit from okay. the pandemic to some either degree, way. you know, lower utilization, more adoption of technology. So it's taken into account um, on right. that. And then Centene is also more immune to the pandemic. You know, all of that is also factored into the picks. All right. Stay stay close to your phone because uh, we, we want to talk probably again and again about these things, Anna. Thank you. I appreciate Sounds it. Sounds good. Thanks, Joe. Next on Squawk Pod, the U.S. and China have taken their spat to the apps. Insiders Henry Blodgett on what's realistic for TikTok and for geopolitics. I think that a lot of people are actually applauding this administration's stance on China in general, which is, come on, let's set some hard lines. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick. Andrew's off today. Developing late yesterday, a U.S. judge blocked an order from the Trump administration that would have banned TikTok from being downloaded in U.S. app stores. That ruling gives TikTok's owner, uh, ByteDance, more time to get approval from U.S. and Chinese authorities for a deal with Oracle and Walmart. The judge did not block a much broader ban set to take effect on November 12th. And uh, by the way, we didn't see the judge's reasoning behind this, Joe. This is something that two other judges in the United States have already like, refused to kind of do anything on. The first was in Pennsylvania. The other was in California. This time it's a Washington, D.C. judge. And of course, we'll wait to hear exactly the reasoning behind that. Yep. Um, I thought about that, Becky, actually. And it was a, a lot of times I, I see 
some of the, the decisions that come down. It, it depends on where the court is. It depends on who, um, yeah. you know, who nominated that judge. It, the, the, there is a lot of subjectivity, This judge I was think. nominated by President Trump. It was, yeah. There's always a lot of, of yeah. subjectivity in it, depending on the district and where it is. And, and you know, that's part of the reason you know, some people really want uh, judges that, that, that say up front, I'm, I'm not going to set law or policy. I'm going to interpret what, what the law already is. So I, I don't know. You know that, that's the age-old uh, question about activist judges versus non-activists. I don't know anything about uh, I read about this, uh, this judge's why well, I don't know what the logic is on that. I don't know what to do with TikTok. I don't know what to do with China. Uh, anyway, so I don't know. Do you? What would you like? Uh, I, I haven't downloaded it Look, yet. I think it, if you think it's a real, if you think it's a real concern, a national security concern, then something has to be done. And then right. some of the deals that we had heard earlier wouldn't cut the mustard when it comes to that. But if it's a security risk, I don't understand how judges can overturn and say that the president can't go ahead and, and ban something that he sees to be a, consider, a, a security risk. Again, you got to wait to hear the rationale behind it, to hear more about what they say. Um, but this is, there are all kinds of ripple effects that can go from here. We worry about what other countries will do if they will start putting bans on our companies from operating overseas, and that's a huge issue for the business community. Um, but we already know that, that China it does these things to U.S. companies. You're not allowed to, to do these things there. So, you know, it's such a, it's such a, such a mess, and there are going to be so many implications that come out from this. Right. Right. Um, Lip-syncing. Lip-syncing. Uh, were you lip-syncing to, to uh, I don't get it. I, you know, there's a lot I don't, uh, I don't understand. Um, anyway. Oh, lip-sync, uh, I sing. Huh? Yeah, if you're going to, don't do that. I you got a cricket. You don't yeah. need to do anything. You got the cricket going. <laughs> Join us now with the, well, it says the latest headlines in the tech world. We can do that, Henry. We just need to know how to think about these headlines, I think. Henry Blodgett, co-founder and CEO of Insider Inc., owner of Business Insider and other digital news sites. I was just thinking about this whole TikTok uh, thing, Henry. So, I mean, we seem far apart. Where China is and what they're willing to do and what the Trump administration is willing to accept, we just seem really far apart. I don't know how it works itself out. But then I was thinking, you know what controls everything, Henry? And, and I don't want you to be cynical. You've been around a long time. We get a little bit cynical. But the big green controls the end. This TikTok is valuable. And it's not going away, is it? We're going to something. Both sides are going to be able to declare victory somehow. Don't you think when it's all said and done? Yes. And I think that's been the objective from the beginning. A big, splashy announcement, tough on China work through it, declare victory, and go home. And I think you're right. And just actually unplugging TikTok for the United States have huge implications here and huge implications for U.S. businesses in China. So I don't think anybody really wants that. Can't we, do we take solace in that or do we just feel cheap and, and, and tawdry that, that when it comes down, with brass tacks, this is a really valuable asset, and we don't want to shut it down. And we'll work with, with the Chinese, even though they're communists, on, on figuring it out. Is that good? Well, I, I think that a lot of people are actually applauding this administration's stance on China in general, which is, come on, let's set some hard lines. 
work forward to a more equitable arrangement. The problem is the rapid changes of policy and the impulsive new edicts are so hard to react to as businesses. And I think what would be very helpful for the business community is a longer term policy where we really sort of set out what we're trying to do with China over time that everybody can adapt to slowly. What's tough is the the swift immediate changes that we're seeing. Well, if we were... You know, if if we based our decisions on what's right in the world, we would probably not deal with China and, and a lot of other countries in terms of human rights. So we kind of have to compromise our, our, our own morals, don't we, to, to do it. But we will, once again, because we need to trade. We need and, and we have to. I mean, we live in the real world, Henry. That's that's the deal. We live in a globalized world. And I know there is a movement, certainly the administration talks about making it America first, going back, you're going back hundreds of years at that point. And and so I don't feel that it is reasonable to imagine that we can completely decouple from China, which is what the administration is talking about. I think that getting to something that is set, that companies can adapt to and they can have confidence will be in place for a long time is good. And I think it absolutely, to your point, it's going to involve compromises. It already has and it will going forward. Do you think that we needed to worry about our youth being uh, influenced by what, what happens with the CCP and how they, they infiltrate our youth's minds through, through TikTok? Was that real? I mean, people believe that, Henry. And, and China does do some stuff that, you know, we would, if we knew the details of a lot of what goes on, we'd realize the Communist Party is, is alive and well, and the one that we think about from, from years ago. Well, I, I think a lot of parents were worried about other influences when TikTok first hit the scene. They weren't that, that was a distant concern relative to the actual content. Some very strong allegations about what CCP and China are doing, or at least can do, with TikTok. They can monitor your email. They can monitor your phone. They can phone calls. They can do everything that you're doing. I, I would like to see some evidence of that. And and unfortunately, the administration has made so many statements that have not been credible that it's hard to really have faith that that's going on. And then at the same point, you step back and the U.S. has a pretty amazing surveillance network itself all around the world. So then you have to say, OK, well, what's OK for the U.S. to do? What's OK right. for China to right. do? But I, it's certainly reasonable. And, and certainly some of the actions that have been taken with the semiconductor companies and, and others would suggest that there are serious issues there. Right. Again, it's just tough to have faith in it. OK, Palantir's coming. We got about 45 seconds. And uh, is it a reflection of how great we are at developing new tech companies, or is there some froth in, in the tech uh, arena right now? Well, we are still great at developing these enormous tech companies, which is, is wonderful. And I hope that whatever we do with policy going forward, we, we continue to enable that and uh, encourage that. But I think it was interesting that Palantir is doing a direct listing. I think that makes sense. Companies continue to leave so much money on the table in these IPOs because of the pops. Uh, but it is a big company, exciting. A lot of investors are obviously excited just to have access to another company that is growing and seemingly has a good future. The range of equities that public wow. market investors can invest in has shrunk so much that it's exciting to see a big new company. All right, Henry, thanks.
That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.